0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Unstoppable. My name is Ralph Graves Jr., and my passion is seeing you experience life transformation. Every week on this show, I will bring you inspirational stories of some of the most unstoppable people on the planet. I can't wait to share these stories with you, and I hope that you'll share them with your friends. If you're looking to join the Unstoppable community and receive weekly lessons challenging you to live your best life, why don't you join me at ralphgravesjr.com backslash community. Okay, let's dive in. Hey, everybody, welcome to another Unstoppable Podcast. So glad you guys are here. Today's guest, today's guest is a adventurer. She's an author. She is unstoppable. You guys haven't met her, but you're about to meet Darcy Gechner. Darcy, did I say your last name right?
1: You got it right. Good job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the program, Darcy. So glad to have you here.
1: Yeah, Thanks Um, for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Your story is is remarkable and your message is remarkable. Um, I, I have to say what really just blew my mind was the fact that you were the first woman to kayak from the source of the Amazon River to the very end to where it leads out into the sea. That is amazing. That is amazing. What um what's first of all, what sea does it lead out to?
1: <laughs> it uh goes into the Atlantic Ocean in Brazil.
0: And how long was that kayak
1: trip? Uh it took us 148 days. It was like 4,200 miles. And yeah, it was a very long journey. And we uh we learned a lot, we had a lot of struggles, we wanted to quit a lot, but uh our team of three, um, it was me, Don Beveridge, and David Midgley. We stuck it out and Made it to the ocean.
0: And you were still friends when you got there?
1: More or less.
0: (laughs) 140 days?
1: 148
0: days. I'm sorry, closer to 150, (laughs) 140. She said, you're going to get those eight days in there. That's right. And she felt every last one of them. So 148 days over 4,000 miles on a kayak.
1: Yes. You know,
0: we're going to dive into your story, but I I have to tell you this. I've had one. It wasn't even a kayak. I I had one canoe adventure to speak of in my life. And I'll never go back.
1: (laughs) Smart man, I think.
0: (laughs) Um, uh, My friends have told me, have said, listen, I would have fared better in a kayak than a canoe.
1: Oh, all right. So, but well, kayaking, yeah. When I I truly hated the sport of kayaking when I started because I was really bad at it and I found it incredibly frustrating. Yeah, I think it's one of those things you have to, you know, get over that initial uh problem of being a beginner before it actually starts to be fun.
0: But okay. I want to talk about you. I want to talk about your humble beginnings. Um, I, I want to talk. I want to dive into your story and and how what led you to do something like this. And um, I know folks, unless you're watching and even probably doesn't even come across on Zoom, um, I, I, Darcy's gonna tell you everything about her, her stature. I, it, it is it is phenomenal what she's accomplished. Darcy, give us a little bit about your background. Where were you raised? Where are you from?
1: All right, uh, I'm from Colorado, grew up okay. here. My parents were ski bums, I guess, for lack of a better word. And so outdoors was always a big part of our our family life and I didn't start kayaking until I was 19 so my parents were skiers they weren't kayakers and um yeah the the stature thing i guess the the thing that i've had to overcome the most is i'm very short and i'm skinny and i look super wimpy and so when people look <laughs> at me they uh you know they don't think that i could kayak or even you know pick up a kayak or do something like kayak the amazon and You know, I even thought that after our Amazon Source to See journey was finished, that people might uh, give me the respect that I I wanted, but they're still like, you kayak the Amazon? No way. And so it's still sort of a battle, but it kind of, (laughs) you know, in a way it was maybe a good motivator because I had this chip on my shoulder and I'm like, I got to prove to all these people that I can do all this stuff they're telling me I can't do. And it kind of, not only in kayaking, but when I was in high school, um, I played volleyball and basketball and soccer and ran track. And it was the same thing. You know, everyone's like, you're too short to play volleyball and basketball and all this stuff. And I was constantly sort of trying to prove myself against what felt like a world that was uh, judging me to be incapable of what I wanted to do.
0: Yeah, and nothing stopped you. You're truly unstoppable, and that was just by because of physical appearance. I mean, you're you you've you said you're a petite woman, and people look at you and say, "No, not her." But right. what a message that really sends to those who think that first of all, appearance is everything, or just because I don't look like something doesn't mean I can't achieve. Um, right, I can achieve things no matter what my appearance is. I I, I love that part of the story. Exactly, I love and
1: I think. Uh... You know, us like making snap judgments of other people is sort of hardwired into our brains. I think we can't help doing it in a way. And I know that I'm guilty of it, even though I get irritated when people do it to me, but it's just such an important lesson to realize who cares what society looks at you and thinks, you know, if you have something in you that you really wanna do, you're just gonna have to fight through all that noise of the world and try to pursue it as best you can.
0: Yeah. And so where does that burning drive come from? I know it's, it goes beyond just because you think I'm little, um, where does that, where does that, that, that drive really come? I like what you said, you know, sometimes we have that attitude of fake it until you make it. I I say make it so you don't have to fake it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's an interesting question. The, the, where did the drive come from? And I know for me, um, when I first started kayaking, I really thought to myself, I thought this is kind of a a useless thing to spend time on. Like it's not, it doesn't do anybody any good. It's bad for the environment. So I gave myself like a five year window to go have fun and kayak. And then I'm like, after those five years you gotta sell all your gear and join the Peace Corps or do something (laughs) good (laughs) like that. Yeah. But what I found through kayaking, I pretty quickly started traveling to kayak. And we would get to these remote rivers and places that very few tourists had been. And we would meet people from all over the world and learn just amazing things through this sport. And then, you know, one door after another started opening through kayaking and, and things that I never could have imagined. But then it was sort of like light bulbs going off for me. It's like, I love kayaking. I love the challenge of it. It was, like I said, it was very difficult. And so it was, you know, something I could always work at and try to improve at. But then all these doors that it started opening, I thought, oh, it's so much more than just the sport of kayaking, which kind of motivated me to keep pursuing it as well.
0: Now, how did you first pick up a kayak? You said two things, and I want to know why kayaking, why you thought kayaking was bad for the environment. But how did you like who introduced you to kayaking? You're in Colorado. Are they ski in Colorado.
1: Yes. So let's see. I graduated high school and I was walking around town looking for a landscaping job, a summer job, because I knew I wanted to be outdoors and that was the only thing I could think of. And I just ran into my middle school track coach who said, Don't be a landscaper. That sounds super boring. Come be a raft guide. You know, the raft guides are hiring this weekend. And I thought, Oh, yeah, rafting does sound way cooler than landscaping. (laughs) So I got a job as a raft guide, and I was 18 years old, and all the other raft guides were early 20s, mid 20s. And I just sort of thought that they were the coolest people in the world, and they all went kayaking after work. So I thought it wasn't like a real attraction to the sport of kayaking. It was more, okay, if I want to hang out with these people, I need to learn how to kayak. And uh, yeah, so that's how it all started. They would let me go with them, but they weren't that interested in teaching me any real skills. So that's why it was a difficult and challenging learning curve.
0: Okay. Okay. But you got good at it. You got really good at it. You got super good at something that you really weren't interested in and did something that you were a first in doing something. 4,000 miles on a kayak (laughs) for someone who didn't like kayaking is remarkable to
1: me. I did come to love kayaking. I was i I had, I mean, this is gonna sound annoying but I never really was bad at anything in my life up until this point. (laughs) There's
0: nothing wrong with that. Hey, listen, join the club. I'm great at everything, but continue on.
1: So yeah, my parents had taught me how to ski when I was like two years old, so I didn't even remember learning. Just kind of everything that I did, I was pretty good at, and kayaking was the real exception. I really was horrible at kayaking. So I think that's why I didn't like it, but it also, because of that, it intrigued me. It was like, okay, I've got to figure out a way to get good at this sport. And so then I was motivated to uh, not suck so much, basically, and I eventually learned to be good at it. And the better I got, the more that I truly fell in love with it. Again, for the traveling aspect, for the meeting new people. And it's always different. The rivers are so dynamic that you always find some new challenge when you go out onto the water.
0: So you found your tribe, and you're all oh moving goodness. in the same direction. You found your tribe, and this is what being a stop was about. Sometimes we have to go outside of things that we normally do. I hope you guys are listening to her story. She went to go be a landscaper. She ended up being a raft guide. Okay, sure, I'll do something I've never done before. I'll start kayaking. All right, notice notice how, how she found her tribe outside of a normal comfort zone. So you find your tribe, and it, because you're, you're truly... I mean you've done four thousand. I don't think I I I don't even like driving four thousand miles. And you were flo- you end up floating four thousand miles day in and day out on yeah. a on a plastic boat, but whatever <laughs> the case may be. And so you found your tribe and um <laughs> and and pardon the pun, all moving in the same direction. Get it? Same current, everybody yes, moves in the same direction. Sure. All moving in the same direction. And you began to love this thing and start putting your passions behind it. And so you start meeting different people. How do we end up? Let me, before I go back to the environment thing, how do we end up in the Amazon Is how do I end up in Brazil? You just said, I want to do something crazy.
1: No. So this is a very interesting story in itself. So through kayaking, I um, started working as a kayak guide for a company in Ecuador called small world adventures, which I'm now part owner of. And so my job right, t-
0: was time out. How did we get to Ecuador? You just don't wake up in Colorado and say I'm going to Ecuador.
1: All right. It's, I'll keep the story as short as possible. But so, All right. OK, I did one year of kayaking with the raft company and I was going to university at University of Montana at the time. And I met a kayaking friend there who was like, let's skip fall semester and go to Nepal to go kayaking.
0: (laughs) Nothing like that friend who'll get you to skip school. There you go.
1: And I was like, "Okay, that sounds good. So we went to Nepal, but I was still very bad at kayaking. So it was a very challenging trip. And we were constantly doing rivers that were too hard for me. And it was just very difficult in a lot of ways. But it helped (laughs) me. uh, It it did help uh, increase my love of the sport so this was a few years later, I bought a ticket to go back to Nepal because I was a better kayaker. I wanted to go back and enjoy it. And I was just gonna go by myself so I could do my own itinerary. But then um, the Maoist insurgency got pretty bad in Nepal at this time. And so I was debating, is it really a good idea to go by myself? And some friends said, hey, we're going kayaking in Ecuador. Why don't you just change your plane ticket and come with us? So again, just another random yeah. luck okay. thing that I said yes to. And that's, that's been an important thing in my life is I've always been very open to saying yes to things that sound sort of outlandish and they've always led me in good places. Um, so anyway, I went to Ecuador and I met uh, Don beverage, who's now my boyfriend of 18 years and Larry right. Ramirez, who were running small world adventures and, one of their other guides was quitting to go back to graduate school. And I, I stayed in Ecuador six weeks because I had a big chunk of time off. And they said, hey, uh, you wanna come back and guide for us next year? And I was being a construction worker in Bozeman, Montana during the winter time. So it was kind of a no-brainer. You know, Larry's okay. like, you think about this and see if you wanna do this or not. But so that was a no-brainer. So I came back and that was I started working there in 2001. So that was a long time ago. And, uh, so anyway, now it's just me and Don running the business and around 2003, I guess a British client named David Midgley started coming to Ecuador. And he said, Hey guys, I want to kayak the Amazon from source to sea. So you need to teach me how to become a class five kayaker, which that's like the most difficult level, most difficult rating of whitewater you need okay. to teach me to be an expert kayaker so that I can kayak all the white water in the headwaters of the Amazon. And David Midgley came up with this idea basically because he was having a little midlife crisis. He is like a brilliant computer programmer from London and he was getting worried that he was going to sit behind a computer writing code for his entire life. And he okay. thought okay. one big adventure would uh, round out his life nicely. And he thought, Oh, Everest has been overdone sailing around the world's too boring. And he read a statistic that more people had walked on the moon than had descended the Amazon from source to sea, and that no one had done the whole thing in a kayak. So um, David Midgley, who he goes by Midge, he decided I'll do this, but he had never kayaked before when he decided that. He had never uh, gone camping before, and he really had like no skills that would help him do this. But he trained with us for a decade, And he did it. So, I mean, that's like a whole another amazing story wrapped into this, that what sort of dedication and hard work can can do for someone.
0: You know, I I hear so many things in this story. First of all, you end up doing something that no other woman has done before. Again, because of a set of circumstances that kept you in a tribe that always thought larger and thought bigger And understood there is nothing in this world that, hey, if I don't, I I can go get it. I am truly unstoppable. This man trained a decade. That means you're training a decade with him. He's not only training a decade. (laughs) This is for all you instant people that are trying to do something overnight. (laughs) Nothing happens. Darcy didn't wake up in Colorado and said, hey, let me just go do this source to see Amazon thing. She trained while training someone else for a decade to do. So it's important that we keep ourselves around people that are moving in the same direction, people who will look at things not as impossibilities. You, you, you said midlife, midlife crisis. Most guys I know, they just want to go to Vegas. <laughs> he said, no, I want a kayak. <laughs> I want a kayak source to see the entire Amazon. You know, and this has been about this whole time I'm listening to you, it's about a mindset. And I salute you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, Not being great at something, but persevering and sticking to it. Um, Not allowing yourself to say, oh, this sucks. I'm going to quit. No, you embrace the suck as the, uh what's the author, Brian Gleason. I love his book, Embrace right. the Suck. Uh, You embraced it and pushed through it. And I think that's really the overarching message of this podcast. If we're going to do uh, great things, or just different things. You might not even view what you did as awesome, but to a person sitting in South Jersey who has a podcast, this is phenomenal. You know, this is—it's is, a big day for me just to go fishing out at the shore. But you, you, what you did is just phenomenal, and so you are truly unstoppable. And and you didn't let your frame get in the way. Okay, so let, let's get back. Let's get. I gotta ask you why. Let me take a quick pause. Why'd you say it was, wasn't environmentally friendly? I'll
1: can, I'll get to that question real quick, but I wanna go back to your idea of embracing the suck.
0: Yeah, 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 we yeah. We
1: talked a lot on the Amazon, you know, like every single day there would be problems that came up or unexpected things would arise and talked about like this adventure mindset, Yeah, which is basically like, you know, we had a plan, we had a way to execute this plan, but we always had to be ready for things to interrupt our plans. And it was so easy when things went wrong to kind of get upset or get flustered and, you know, you want to throw up your hands and just be angry. Yeah. But of course, you know, none of that is productive. And so it was really developing this, um, this sort of mindset where it's like, okay, we're going to be ready for the unexpected, we're going to embrace problem solving on the fly because that's a fun challenge in itself you know it's like if everything goes perfectly well it's just boring but yeah when you can see obstacles and treat it as you know sort of a game if you will okay how am i going to figure out this problem it was just amazing how little shifts in our own mindset really yeah. made life uh, much better or much worse depending on which way our mindset went on the amazon
0: you know and, and i like what you said because I, I let me let me let me interrupt. You said that you planned or that you knew that you were going to have to face some obstacles. Let me get my mind. I don't know what these obstacles are going to be. I don't know how bad the suck is going to be. But if I get my mind already in the mindset of there's going to be some challenges that we're going to have to face. And so let's do it. You know, I'm sure that helped you through.
1: Oh, so much. Yeah. Because if you expect everything to go perfectly, then you just get upset when it doesn't. But if yeah. you're like, all right, bring on the problems. We're ready for this. It's pre-programming
0: to your mind. Yeah. Pre-programming the mind. What okay, were some but- of the challenges out there? Like you went, did you have one kayak or did you take two? We is, had, is had two broken? kayaks.
1: So we had um, whitewater kayaks for the first month. That's where all the whitewater was. And then. When we hit the flat water we switched into sea kayaks because they just can go a lot faster on the flat water. And so yeah getting the sea kayaks um, imported into Peru and then delivered to a little town in the middle of nowhere close to where the flat water start that started. Um, that was one of the challenges we had um, in the whitewater, like a big, deep canyon. And there was a few road access points. but So we had to do what we call self-support kayaking. So carrying everything we need, like camping gear, food, first aid, all that stuff in our kayaks with us. But you know, you can only carry a certain amount. So we had to arrange for guys to do food drops for us. So we package up these little boxes of food and Find a Peruvian guy with a truck and be like, we'll pay you 200 bucks if you drive it to these coordinates and then hope that they, show, they showed up, which they always did, which was great. Okay. And That's good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just like every day, you know, we had weird things like some guys from a copper mine wanted to interview us as we paddled past. So, you know, we had to stop and get out of our boats and sit there and talk about tourism and mining and, you know, just kind of funny things like that. And then we had, like our fingernails started to get irradiated and like disconnect from our fingers from too much sun exposure. And so that was an unexpected problem.
0: What, that's crazy. I was gonna ask you about some of the physical things. What about wild animals?
1: So we saw a lot of mammals in the white water where there was very little human population. We saw like otters and foxes and deers. And down on the, or just deer. Down on the lower river.
0: <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'm from the 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 my my um my audience who know we say deers. I'm sure. Oh, right,
1: perfect. <laughs> um, in the lower river during the flat water, it's very populated. So everyone uses the river as a highway. All the towns and cities and villages are along the river. Yeah. So we really didn't see that many mammals, mainly because. If people see them, they tend to kill them, either for hunting or if they're predators, they don't want them in town. So, but we did see, we saw pink river dolphins, which was awesome. Wow. Um, That was definitely the animal highlight of the trip. And we saw big stingrays, amazing bird life down there and all kinds of fish.
0: So you went into the ocean? I thought you just went to the mouth of the ocean. You went actually into the Atlantic?
1: We, so we drew a line where the two, the North, and the south point of land that make the mouth of the Amazon River. We like drew an imaginary line across that and paddled out across the line. So we didn't keep on going into the ocean, but we paddled out into the ocean and then turned around and came back to the southernmost point of land at the Amazon's mouth.
0: Okay. Okay. This is something else. All right. I, I gotta go back to why you say they weren't environmentally oh, yeah. friendly.
1: Okay, so kayaking. I mean, I'm sure it's not the worst thing you could do for the environment, but you drive a lot to go kayaking and you always need two cars to do shuttle. So one one you leave at the end of the run and then one you drive up to the top of the run and all the boats are made out of plastic and they break a lot. And so then they're not really recyclable. So then you have this giant plastic that you put into a landfill so again, there's worse things you could do for the environment. Yeah, yeah. But it's not.
0: I, what you ju- you know, uh, I better not. I better. I see this is what I always do. I always have a great interview going, and then I mess it up. Um,
1: well, I have a good I, spin on it. I, I
0: don't think that it's, I don't think this is, that's, that's a huge deal. I'm sitting here drinking plastic bottled water now.
1: That and my business, which basically requires people to fly to Ecuador in order to go kayaking, is not very (laughs) environmentally friendly either. But one thing we do a lot, we talk to our guests a lot about you know, the all of the rivers we kayak in Ecuador flow into the Amazon. So we talk about the challenges, the environmental challenges of the Amazon River Basin. And there's a great um, nonprofit down in Ecuador called the Ecuadorian Rivers Institute. And that's been one cool thing is talking to clients about it, making them understand a part of the world that they maybe wouldn't have gone to if it weren't for the sport of kayaking. And then they get involved with the Ecuadorian Rivers Institute, either by donating or volunteering. And so even though it definitely has an environmental or carbon footprint, there can be a lot of good that comes out of it.
0: Everything we do is a carbon footprint. And I think you guys are doing your part to really um, yeah, keep it as clean as you can while still in, enjoying um, the environment and still adjoining. us around. I, I need to get to Ecuador. I have a friend that goes back and forth to Ecuador a lot and it seems like a really, really clean situation. I mean, he's, he's a designer. He's a fashion designer. Every time he posts picture, I mean the towns just seem so quaint and small and, and clean and yeah.
1: Yeah. Ecuador is amazing. The people are super friendly. Like you say, yeah, a, it is quite a clean place and, it goes from sea level to 21,000 feet. Wow. It's diverse country as well. So I wow. definitely recommend it if you get the chance.
0: Darcy, you wrote a book. What's the name of the book?
1: The book is called Amazon Woman. Amazon If you Google it, type in Darcy along with that title.
0: Okay. You know, and, and the reason why she's saying that, guys, is because I actually saw it and I thought that it was... Like she was Amazon's woman of the month or something. I didn't know it was the name of the book. And uh, so definitely type her name, Amazon woman. Darcy, Amazon woman is the name of the book. You can Or you can order the book. You can uh, get the book to you however you need to. Um, get it to you. Where can they find you, Darcy? Say someone here in the audience wants to reach out to you and see how they can support you or find out what's next. How can they follow you on social media? Because your story is so inspirational. And I I want them to, I want someone who needs to pick me up just to kind of stay with you there.
1: All right. Yeah, they can uh, check out my website, which is darcygechter.com. And actually, I guess an easier way to find it is amazonwoman.net since my name is hard to spell, but amazonwoman.net will get you to the same place. And if you do want to look up my name, it's D-A-R-C-Y-G-A-E-C-H-T-E-R. And on social media, um, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, I'm at Darcy Gector.
0: I'm looking at one of your pictures here on uh, DarcyGector.com. It's like, looks like that kayak's about to turn over. Is that you in there?
1: Well, quite possibly, yes. That turning over does happen.
0: And so I could talk to you forever about about recut. So you turn over, like what happens to all your goods? I guess everything's in plastic. Everything's everything's
1: held in there well, and you're supposed to tie everything in. But one of the first skills that people should learn when they want to kayak is how to do what people call the Eskimo roll. So when you do flip upside down, there's a technique to get the boat back right side up. And it's super important to learn in whitewater kayaking, because otherwise, if you can't do it, then you have to swim out of your kayak and then you're swimming in the river and losing your gear and it's not a good situation. So, yeah, one of the first things everyone learns is how to <laughs> rewrite the kayak.
0: Yeah, that's uh, OK. That, that, I, I might be out on that, but still, like <laughs> you know, I'm going to support you, <laughs> whatever it is you need support in. This is this is some great stuff. But thank you for being on the Unstoppable program. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for being an inspiration. And and you seem so humble. You probably don't think you are. Your story's amazing. We could have talked for another 45 minutes, but, but, but just thank you for saying yes to going to Nepal. Thank you for saying yes to going to Ecuador. Thank you for doing what you do and being such an inspiration to men, women, boys and girls everywhere.
1: Well, thanks so much for having me on the show. I really enjoyed talking with you.
0: And uh, guys, listen, uh, you can stay up with me at Ralph at RalphBraceJr.com. Join the website. Join the Unstoppable community. Guys, I'll see you next time. Thanks, Darcy, for being on the program. And let's be unstoppable together. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this Unstoppable conversation. I want to make a special invitation to you to join the conversation every week we record these conversations live on fireside it's a platform that gives you the opportunity to engage with and ask questions to your favorite podcast live if you want to join us on fireside and ask our guests the questions you have about their story head to firesidechat.com backslash ralph graves jr and click request access this is your chance to join the interview Also, guys, I want to invite you to join the Unstoppable Community at ralphgravesjr.com backslash community. Every week I share challenging lessons and reflection questions so that you can see the transformation in your life that you know is coming. If you can take just 30 minutes of your week to reflect on these questions, I guarantee you'll be on your way to living the unstoppable life you were made for. Join me at ralphgravesjr.com backslash community. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Unstoppable with Ralph Graves Jr.